Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome back to another episode of La Bifana's Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory. And today I have a really special guest to introduce you to. Her name is Tam Orlando, and she is the creator of Reclaim Your Space, a shame-free, judgment-free community supporting clutter clearing to open up to flow in your home and in your life. She's an interior designer with a BFA from Parsons, New School of Design, a certified cosmic smash booking instructor, and the author of a forthcoming memoir documenting her own reclaiming journey. I really hope you enjoy today's conversation. So tell me a little bit about who you are, your story, and and how Reclaim Your Space came to be. Yeah, so I am a multi-passionate human. (laughs) Yes. Multi-dimensional, I don't know, the more I learn about all the things, I'm like, oh yeah, that's too and that too um you know like just piecing together all the pieces of parts of me um and reclaim your space you know what's coming up right now is like very early on origin story so like when I was Mm. two things what when I would like people will say like what did you play at when you were little because that might determine like your life sort of career path or like what you know and so what I would play at, I had this like old typewriter and I would make like an office. I think it was a doctor's office, but I wasn't the doctor. I was the person who created the whole thing, like the whole system, like, uh-huh. like forms that you fill out. <laughs> and, we had, like, and so I realized much later, I'm like, oh, I was like the entrepreneur. Like I was the one building the business of whatever. And then I was 11 and I was like, I'm going to start babysitting. And I made little business cards and I passed them out all around the neighborhood. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've always kind of um, created my own work in the world in many ways. And reclaim your space was sort of just the next iteration of that. Mm. And another story that pops into my mind was that people would say like, what do you want to be? And it, it changed like every time there must've been like 15, 20 different answers to that. Um, but one desire that really stands out for me was I remember thinking like one day I just want to meet all the people all around the world and just talk to them and like hear their story. Yep. <laughs> we have a similar desire there. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just really interesting. Reclaim Your Space emerged from the heart of COVID when we were all in lockdown because I had been running a home remodeling company that was like a brick and mortar mm company in New Jersey and we had to shut down for a while and so Mm -hmm. I was like well how can I help people in their homes in a different way and so it went into the virtual realm and you know different pieces started to kind of come together but what was really cool is like I had people in my community from the start like all around the world and I was like supporting people in their homes all around the world felt like I was like sprinkling fairy dust yeah. like on all these houses <laughs> like the new pictures after they did a project in their home and I was like wow my very first client who's still working with me today in different ways is uh in Australia and she's like oh it feels like you're sitting in my living room when we chat you know and then so this technology and how like the world has evolved since then has made it very interesting for me mm. and I love that aspect of it I currently have folks in my Reclaim Your Space community from every continent except Antarctica. Wow, that's (laughs) beautiful. That's, you know, that's this interesting time that we're in, I think, where we have, there's this like tech, this feeling like technology can take us all over and we'll zap away the human spirit, right? And this other level of technology, which has this connectivity tissue going through it and this ability to, you know, Labafana's table now 
does not just need to be in my apartment. It can be, you know, it could go from Harlem to Italy to, you know, Hawaii to wherever else it goes. And so we have that, that beauty of it. And it seems like we're, we're all kind of in this little space of, all right, how do I really utilize it in a human enhancing way (laughs) versus some of these other ways where I'm like, oh God, I metaverse, I don't even know how to like live in my own universe right now. (laughs) One thing at a time. Yeah. And there's so much of this, like, it's just fascinating and maybe ironic that like over the past two and a half years since COVID shut us down and we kind of all moved into Zoom rooms and, and all that. I've also learned a lot about coming back into the body and listening to the body and healing through the body. And so it is, there's this very interesting push pull of like the technology is moving us out of our body, but it's also giving us this vehicle of impossibility to like learn from so many more people Mm. who kind of access this collective consciousness that continues evolving as we learn about how is trauma stored in the body? And so these things become more accessible to more people in such a beautiful way. And so, so much of what I do in Reclaim Your Space, while it's historically up until now has been primarily in the virtual world, it's about embodiment Mm. being in your body, in your physical space and these connections between the self and the body and then the body and the home and then the home and life, like everywhere else, Mm -hmm. right? Like, how does that extend out? So, yeah. And, and so tell me, I think this is a decent segue for understanding. So you do focus on the home and, and the body and you have been doing clutter clearing as an unexpected way of, of like of encountering kind of profound healing. So that sound like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, that sounds very like Labafana. She must be channeling the spirit of Labafana, sweeping up her, her home, getting rid of the things, simplifying life. So, so tell me, like, tell me more about these clutter clearing sessions that you're, you're doing and, and what is the healing that's coming from them? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So yes, maybe La Bifana has gotten in there my own Italian roots. Yeah. <laughs> like channeling. Um, I love it. So yeah, clutter clearing was, it was unexpected because um, I was trained as an interior designer. Then I was working in home remodeling. And then right at that time, COVID shut down. I was like, what do I create next? Also, I'm learning about trauma and the body and somatics. And then my sister calls me and she's like, Tam, I'm really struggling with this room in my house that like has all the boxes from when I moved in, when I got married to my husband Mm. six months ago. Like, I don't even want to go in there. I open the door. I see one thing and I'm like, nope. And I close the door again. And I was like, I think all these light bulbs are going off. I was like, that's trauma. And Mm. right. And so I was like, oh, she's in freeze. Like all these things started piecing together. And so I was like, can we try something out? And so we got on Zoom and I coached her through like a three hour session and she got through 90% of the boxes room that had been sitting there for six months. Right. And so I realized a couple of things from that. I realized the system I was creating, which was an amalgamation of different things that I had learned and experienced from many different teachers was very much about like, how do we move things, move through the objects in our home at a high level without going into those deeper emotional spaces. And so one way that I do that is I have a, a thing called the archive box. And so anything that's too emotionally fraught or anything where we don't have a clear like yes or no on whether we want to keep it it goes in the archive box and then we just literally put a lid on it and tuck (laughs) it away in the back of a closet or in the garage and it's like this is what our brain does this is what trauma actually is it's a natural adaptation of the body and the brain to an event that we don't have the capacity Mm. in the moment Mm -hmm. and so it's just like oh okay Right. If we're going to move through a room full of boxes, we don't, we can't go into like every deep emotional place of every object because Mm -hmm. every object holds emotions and stories and energy. Right. And so it was like this sort of awareness that started bubbling up. And then I ran a five day challenge on Facebook. This was like the very beginning of reclaim your space and like 80 people showed up and I was like, Oh, okay. And so I sort of taught them my steps of my process of how to clear clutter. Um, 
a couple profound things happened. One was that I was saying to people, um, you are the sovereign of your space and you get to choose. Like that's literally what it means is you get to choose. Like, do you want this in your space or do you not? There's not one right or wrong way to do it. This isn't like, I'm not teaching minimalism, actually. I'm not teaching throw away all the stuff. I'm not even teaching like a simpler life. I'm teaching get in touch with what actually nourishes you because mm. it's different for each person. Some people actually, the sensory need that sensory stimulation of more objects or objects that bring comfort or color and like, you know, inspiration of objects. So, but doing it in an intentional way, clutter is just anything that's accumulated unintentionally. So it's not about the quantity of stuff. It's about bringing mindfulness to the space. That's a very, like even right there, because some people would be like, I don't have a clutter problem or you think clutter and you go, you go to the worst case scenario, someone who's hoarding all of these things. And yet what did you said? Things that we've accumulated unintentionally. Mm-hmm. That really like, there's like, everything's firing off for me. In that, because I'm going, whoa, besides the stuff, Mm -hmm. physical things, you know, from living in in the world and being among every, like, what am I unintentionally (laughs) accumulating? That's, you know, on me or in my house. And now, wow, you just, I got to take a moment. (laughs) You just like, (laughs) my mind. with that definition of clutter yeah yeah it's uh it's pretty wild because it's also about self-acceptance and about intimacy with the self so much of what's taught I think by even by coaches and therapists like be about like trying to match this ideal self that's somehow separate from like who am I actually like who am I right like our very initial question who am I what do I want how do I express myself what is in alignment and authentic for me what is nourishing for me um and it it is so unique to each person and so it's like empowering folks back into like this is what I want for my space I love what you're saying because it, it really rings true just to like an inherent dignity of an individual and this true reverence for everyone's going to do it differently. <laughs> yeah. oh, exactly. And pointing people back to themselves, right? So like people ask me all the time, what do I do with this thing? And I was like, well, the first question is, what do you want to do with it? <laughs> what do you actually want this space to feel like how do you actually feel about this object that you're holding and showing me do you want to keep it do you want to let it go if there was no right or wrong about it because I mean literally we're talking about like the water bottle or you know this piece of paper from seven years ago or right like there's no right or wrong about it or like (laughs) what I have like I'm you know I I have my like Catholic roots and stuff like that and I might you know and then like all of a sudden you're like oh god like another saint candle that's empty like do I throw it out what does is this really holier just because then this thing (laughs) what makes something sacred yeah what makes something sacred and then you're like wait I I don't you know (laughs) you then you have an existential crisis and (laughs) photographs are hard for me. Like how can I ever throw away a photograph with someone's face on it? Right. Like, so (laughs) interesting. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, what now you have something to work with, right? Because you are like, okay, well, do I want to keep it or not? What actually happens in your brain when I ask you that question? Mm. Are you actually tuned in to what you want? Or like, even you just gave a beautiful example is it like, wait, what am I supposed to do? And like, what does that person do? And like, how would that person think of me if I did it that way or didn't do it that way or, right? And then you start to find all of these. I mean, they're another type of clutter 
Yes. And mind, <laughs> it seems like we're, we're really, you're really in the game of revealing our mind clutter, you. <laughs> it's very sneaky what I do. <laughs> but you know, you brought up, interesting, um, what is your approach to quote unquote sacred objects? Because I've had my own experience with that, but I'm really curious for you, what is, what does one do with their sacred objects? <laughs> So it's a, it's a great question. And it comes to, I start with desire and then I go to context, right? So desire would say, okay, well, do you desire to keep it? And if you can't quite get in touch with that, or if you're like, yes, but then you're like, I also desire to have a house that doesn't have as much stuff in it. Cause I feel overwhelmed by dusting all of these sacred objects on myself. Right. <laughs> Who does this? I don't know. Um, so then it's like, well, what's the deeper desire, mm. right? So, okay, the deeper desire is for less visual sensory information, okay? Mm. So now we say, what makes this object sacred to you? Can, what would it take to feel, like what's sort of in the gap between keeping it and releasing it? Is there a way that we can honor the sacredness or the story I, I talk a lot about the story that like the object holds a story. How do we kind of harvest that story or honor the story? And often a story just needs a witness. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Like hold up an object. That's really, it's sacred to them in some way, but they're also like, there's a, there's like, I think I'm ready to release it, but I need, but I'd like to tell you the story of it. And then I can release it with, like with this like clear energy where it's reverence like, it's all, yeah yeah sometimes we'll talk about like can you create a ritual around the release of it or just thank the object like thank you for your service mm. and goodbye um so yeah and then some things you know there's different ways of releasing things as well so I'm very hesitant to say like just donate it whatever it is because even the donation, like the waste stream is overwhelmed. The donation stream is overwhelmed with like just stuff, right? There's just so much quantity of stuff in the world right now. Mm. So I'm like also invite people to be very intentional. Like, would this be of value and useful to someone else? And if so, then like very intentionally, like, okay, you can donate it. Um, or I've even had folks, and this is where the magic starts to happen, be like, all right, I'm finally ready to release these objects that are very sacred to me. And like, I had a story where a, a woman and her mom took these very specific objects. They were like, they have very specific meanings to us, but most people probably wouldn't understand. And they took them to like a, like a community kind of yard sale type thing. Yeah. And magically folks showed up who were like, oh, that's a painting of whatever it was. And they were like, that's so special to me. And it was like, they were able to hand it to someone who would value it and benefit from it in a similar way mm. because, they were, because they allowed themselves to release it because they, they were like trusting their sense of like, I'm ready to release this. It found its way to like its next person. And I have like so many stories like that. And it's so fun. That's like... That's kind of amazing that, that really that I, I have to say, I sat with that, you know, part of the fact that this Labafana's table has now come into existence is because I let go and released an object, which was the Labafana puppet, which was like, but it's, it's, this is, you know, the, the importance was so there. And I really, through this puppet found my voice found safety found so many things that I never expected but it's like just because we've been blessed by something like doesn't mean we have to hold it now it's forever I hold it like what you just shared in that story was that they you know they honored that now look at the story of however that object now is in the hands of someone else and it's doing whatever it does with them. <laughs> you know, they're, they're having this relationship or learning or teaching or, you know, however one learns. I mean, I've definitely found that I have in relationship to anything, whether it's a person, an object, there's some kind of teaching in there, some kind of teaching and learning 
Um, especially when it's time to like, let go of things. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. There's this, it's funny. It was a quote on like a tea bag, a yogi tea bag yeah. during that first week of the challenge, the challenge that I did. And it said, like, I was like getting ready to start my Facebook live or whatever. I picked up my cup of tea and it said, what belongs to you will come to you. Mm. And so I realized like, oh, right. And energetically, like this flow wants to happen, right? And so it requires that we release what no longer belongs to us to make space energetically for what now belongs to us. And if we are constantly growing and evolving, which mm. my worldview is kind of like, that's why we're here to keep growing and evolving until we can't anymore. Um, then like the objects that nourish us, the type of space that nourishes us, even the colors that nourish us will change and evolve over time. Set hmm. it all up and like hold it so tight. It no, there's a mismatch between like where we are now and our space, or maybe we also have stagnated in a way, right? And so we can create growth and change and, and these like gentle shifts by working in the physical space which will then start to impact us internally. Or we might, what I often find also is people are having big internal shifts and now their space doesn't match who they are anymore. And if, if we leave it there, if we leave the space back in the past version of ourselves, it's kind of always pulling us a little bit back instead mm. of firing us forward. So let me, I just want to make sure I, so you're saying that there, in terms of shifts, when we're shifting and growing and changing, some of these shifts kind of come as like an inner to external. Some of them are in like uh, catalyzed by an outer to inner. So like the, the clutter clearing that you do may then bring that awareness to the inside. But then you're saying there's like also when you've had, maybe you've already had an experience where you've removed some of the inner clutter <laughs> but now there's a mismatch for your external world. Is that, is that kind of what yeah. you're? Yeah, exactly. Which is where then sometimes it's just supportive to have those tools to be like, okay, this is no longer representing or expressing who I am or what I value or what brings me joy. So like, what do I do about it? Right. Um, and in, in my process, I teach it in kind of like, there's three kind of high level stages, awareness, reclamation and expression so awareness is first like what's actually here in front of me a lot of times we're actually not even looking at like like our our body can only process 10 percent of our of external stimulation and sensory information 10 percent. that's huge like i've had people be like i was walking into my house like every day for a week before i realized that there was like a rotting pumpkin on the porch 10 percent. 10 percent Oh my God. And like, and then these poor kids in these classrooms with like an intent, all this crap on the walls. Yeah. <laughs> like being really intentional with that. Right. And then also realizing like, Oh, well we avoid the things that make us uncomfortable. Mm. Our body is wired to keep us safe. We're constantly mapping our environment, trying to simplify it as mm. much as possible to reduce like our energy. So I think of it like the computer has like the CPU, right? Like, like CPU usage, like, okay, if our space is stressful, then we're using a lot of energy to like, just manage our nervous system in our space. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, so then when there's that mismatch, it's like, okay, well, how do I, how do I bring that back into alignment so that the, the space actually inspires me forward and moves me towards what I want to create next. Mm. Um, in yeah. this ever evolving, growing worldview <laughs> everything is temporary is the thing I say a lot and it can be very destabilizing and uncomfortable mm. to look at that but it's also what's true <laughs> yeah it is I mean we <laughs> you're like uh, uh, for now I'd like to not deal with that but <laughs> but I, I I think I've gotten to the same place you are and you know there's I think there's something beautiful also of going, everything is temporary. And, and maybe that's why I care to make my home representative of who I am and, and growing into. And, and even if that's temporary, you yes. know, so 
I'm, I'm wondering now with you in, in your work, are you, are you mostly working with people who are homeowners and, and how do you also like, how do you reclaim your space as a renter? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I'll say like, I'm having the experience over the past two years of renting a space for the first time ever mm. in my adult life. And so that's been really great for me to be able to practice what I teach, which is like, you are here now and yes. everything is temporary, right? So why is that important? Because it's also liberating. It's like, you can make a choice. You can actually do a thing in your space. You might not like it. Great. Then you can change it tomorrow. But so many people get paralyzed by the like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't. Right. So like, there's this, there's this, like, it gives you spaciousness to experiment and play and Mm. try something out and then change it if it doesn't work for you. And I've owned my home in the past. I've owned a home where we were renovating the home during the time we were living there. So it always felt like upheaval. And I've spent a lot of time like, not fully settling into my space. And it was actually when I started renting that I was also teaching reclaim your space. And I was like, oh, I need to practice what I teach. And so I was like, I'm going to fully settle in here for now. Mm. Right now, I'm going to be fully here. And I'll give you an even more kind of extreme example. I even have been practicing this when I go away for a weekend to an Airbnb or a hotel. Mm. For this weekend, I'm going to settle in fully here and I'll like unpack my suitcase and I'll bring like a few sacred objects and like set them up. And like, I'll like have certain things that are like these anchors for in that moment. Um, Remind you to like inhabit a space. Yes. Which is like our lives. (laughs) We're we're like, you, 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 you're (laughs) You're an incredible, <laughs> magical teacher over here. I love it. <laughs> and so here's the thing, like that first five day challenge. This is one of my favorite stories. On the very last day, one of the women who was at like our final celebration on yeah. Zoom from England. And she shared that during the challenge, she had cleared a small table in her kitchen. And so she said, Tam, it feels so good. And there's so much space that I just feel like I just want to dance. And also she's like, you asked, you asked us to say, to say to ourselves, to ask ourselves, like, what do I want with this object? What do I want? She's like, never in my life have I asked myself, what do I want? And I realized that I could ask myself that not just in my space, but in every aspect of my life and so like what you've given me is freedom to ask myself what do I actually want in my life and like I was just blown away because that was my vision right I didn't know I was gonna be teaching clutter clearing I just had this clear vision like I want to offer people permission and freedom like for freedom of self-expression and I taught clutter clearing and then like the feedback was like you've given me freedom to express myself in every aspect of my life. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we're not just clearing off tabletops here. (laughs) We're dancing on them too. And a whole bunch of other wild shit. (laughs) So yeah, that's, you know, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And And I love it. I love to just like contemplate that. Like, and really in this wild interconnected worlds of with causes and consequences to which I really have no idea right like (laughs) what I have no idea like you know you may have helped someone you know clear off the table where they write that thing or they they give themselves permission to do that thing you know what I mean that and then that thing touches so-and-so's life and opens this in this person's life. And it's like that wild level of like, you're not only clutter clearing, like you're, you're unveiling an inspiration that like, that never ends. Mm, yeah. The ripple effect. It's so fun. That beautiful, wild ripple effect of, <laughs> you know, of someone going, would it like this? 
Yeah, actually, it's so funny. I'm, I'm for people or listeners. I'm, I'm holding up a, a bracelet, and uh, it's re- <laughs> actually someone had let this go in my building, and they left it on this table where people kind of drop off stuff that they don't want, and people will pick it up. And I always kind of consider that like some, some object will find me at some certain point. I am in my journey, and like this has been one of them, and it's like. It has inscribed, may all beings be safe, may all beings awaken to the light of their true nature, may all beings be free, may all beings be peaceful, may all beings be happy, may all beings be safe. And it's just like, you know, when I found this little thing in that moment, it was something that like, ah, what a blessing was (laughs) bestowed on me, but only because someone else decided, okay, now I'm done. (laughs) Yep, exactly. So powerful. <laughs> it's so that's so powerful. Now, now we, I want before we before we close, I do want to talk a little bit more because there's uh, other practices that you you work with as well, and one is called cosmic smash booking, which I would love to like hear more about and kind of is there a connection with the clutter clearing and and kind of how do these two practices. Um, you know, communicate <laughs> with each other? Yeah, great question. So cosmic smash booking is uh, an int- intentional art and intentional creativity art form. And it's a type of art journaling that has a lot of life to it. It kind of explodes off the page. And it, I got certified to teach it. I started my certification back in 2020. And I love it because it's like, it's another way into the subconscious and mm. just parts of our mind and through the act of creativity, which is then, which is a whole nother area that really deserves attention and reclamation for so many of us. Right. Yes. <laughs> so it's like the act of cosmic smash booking is a reclamation in itself of our relationship with our creativity, with our playfulness. It's called smash booking because we start with a a composition notebook, like, you know, 50 cents from target. And then before we start making art in it, we crumple all the pages. And even as I'm doing it, like my hands are like, (laughs) you know, they're like, Oh yeah, that's right. Like it's so embodied. And then what it also sets us up for is like, we're working on an imperfect surface so we can keep releasing that perfectionism and that attachment to it being just so so which of course like totally translates to the space because it's like I want everyone to have this experience that their space is a living breathing organism that moves and flows with them and it doesn't have to be perfect and like like in a magazine right (laughs) it's actually here to nourish and support the work that you're doing in the world and so cosmic smash booking unlocks a lot of insight and wisdom through these kind of unconscious channels. And so it's, it's process oriented, mixed media um, work, but it starts with free writing and journaling. Then you layer on a prayer and then you start layering on color and texture and, and collage and each page is totally different. And we, we never, I never have like a destination, like your page will look like this. I have like, follow these cues trust your own muse, trust your inspiration and see where you get to. And then we do like a reading of the page. Mm. But in the reading, there's some, some wisdom comes through that's often magically connected to the intention we put down when we were free writing at the beginning, the journaling. I think of it kind of like a, creating your own kind of tarot cards or, you know, it's like, it's just really fascinating how the wisdom comes through. Our own inner wisdom, like it is elicits that our own meaning maker our own inner teacher all the connections that we make in our mind right and and the you know talking about numbers again and I'm I'm really not great at the actual exact numbers but it's something like the verbal part of our mind can process like 50 50 bits of information in a second mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nonverbal parts of our mind can process like 40 billion, no, 40 million bits of information in a second. Wow. So our brain is so powerful, but we, 
we're not always accessing the most powerful parts of the brain. And so this is another way to kind of tap into like those parts. The kind of symbolic image, you know. Yeah, exactly. They've been gathering all this information and like making connections and mm. there's like intuition, right? Like like when I first started Cosmic Smash Booking, I feel like in many ways it led me, it was like these stepping stones out of my old life and into my new life. And I was right. It was like one step ahead of me intuitively, really fascinating mm. creativity. And what, an, what an incredible practice for those kind of liminal spaces when you're in, you're not quite out of one older version of yourself and you're not quite in the newer version of yourself and to just like kind of give yourself to that unknown aspect of it. I love that you commented that um, it's done, you said, on like composition, like the marble notebooks. Yeah. So, yeah, it's designed to be super accessible with like even basic art supplies that like you might even have lying around the house or you can get for like really cheap from Target or, you know, it's very the idea is that anyone can do it. You don't have to have any art experience. You don't have to have any particular special supplies, although you're welcome to kind of use whatever. My favorite story was a friend of mine first tried it and he only had like a pizza box in the recycling and like some pens in different colors and got like this really powerful message from just that. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's really profound. Um, I'm really excited that it's that I'm starting to be able to share that with folks. Yeah. I share it virtually. And then I'm actually next week going to start teaching it to kids locally, um, which is really exciting. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> the part for me, especially being like the very accessible composition notebook, which which feels very almost healing in some aspects of, I think a lot of us suffer from, where a lot of us suffer, like our creative wounding happens in school. Mm, yeah. You know, I think a lot of us who, um, I think from my perspective, we are all artists. We're all artists whether that's like your full-time job or not, like we are artists of our life. We can live life in an artful way. We can, we can bring in that to so many things. And I really love that for me, that it's done in a composition notebook. Cause you know, as I think about it, it's like, that's where we get taught the right and wrong, that there's right and wrong ways of doing things. And, you know, this person is now an artist and this person is not. And you start, you know, getting shoved down these lines you know, and in these boxes, when all of these things communicate (laughs) to each other, you know, they're all, they're all together. So to me, I'm like, oh, (laughs) I can't wait to crumple up all those pages because that, you know, the more that we unlearn perfectionism, I think we get into being process oriented (laughs) humans that, you know, where like, you know, we're not just being good consumers. We're learning how to be creators. We're learning how to be co-creators that <laughs> are tapped into our creativity and, and all of that. So I think that work that you're doing, you have such a gift of inviting people into like simple, <laughs> I'm using my air quotes here, everyone, simple practices that really get at the, at the heart of, of humanity and our desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that what a gift that you bring to the table. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun too. Like it's reclaiming fun and playfulness, which then can translate into the space, right? Because we're so stuck of like how it's supposed to be and how what's the right way to set up your living room and what's the right way, you know, and it's like, no, there's not a right way or wrong way. Like what feels good? What what is inspiration calling? telling you in this moment right so we learn to like follow those steps in a way of like and that's very funny because you know fun and playfulness don't are are not taken seriously which is very sad and I think like if you look at society (laughs) you know what I mean like oh wait I can create my home environment in a fun and playful way does that mean I can create other environments in that way right and then like what is a fun and playful society? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think what, what actually sets humans apart, I remember hearing this a couple of years ago, is like that they retain their ability to play and be creative 
Mm. As an adult, we just haven't tapped into that as much as we can, I think, collectively. But when we do, solutions arise that we could never have seen before. And I think they arise out of that. I imagine I'm not a science person. (laughs) I'm like, I imagine there's some kind of brainwave in some state that like, you know, when I'm in my most joyous and fun and in the moment, of course, new ideas arise. Like they're just like percolating. (laughs) Yeah. And when we're in like an activated state in our nervous system, when we feel unsafe and we're taking everything so seriously and we're like anxious all the time, like we end up recreating the same things that we know because we're creating from this like hyper rational protective part of our brain that's saying, Mm. look at all these things that have happened. And so I'm predicting that the same things will happen in the future. But like the truth is the, the opposite. The future is a complete unknown and is totally different than anything that's ever happened before. So we have to approach it with a different set of tools in order to navigate it effectively. And so I think intuition is a beautiful one. Um, and, and in both cases, right, with clutter clearing and with the cosmic smash booking, I'm just teaching people like, not even teaching people, I'm just like giving folks the experience of like, this is what it feels like to listen, to hear your intuition. Mm. It, to try it out, to see how it feels when you listen. Yeah, and go from there. Because so many of us, we have been cut off from how to be in conversation, right? In conversation with ourselves, with like our soul. Like we we are trained from the get-go to look towards the outside, to the authority figure, to this, to that, that it's like, we, do you want me to ask, who am I asking? <laughs> who who am I asking for permission? Me? what it's revolutionary I suppose (laughs) yeah you're like wait a I give myself permission to do (laughs) yep yeah what (laughs) yeah and and you know along with that goes this like releasing of shame because Mm. shame is anywhere where we perceive ourselves to be falling short of some external expectation that we've internalized perhaps right or someone else is putting shame on us or there's so much around shame that I could talk about for a really long time but mostly I think to some like what I've realized is that so much of this is about releasing shame and that folks folks especially those socialized as women have a lot of their self-worth and value like interwoven with the state of their home conditioning the social conditioning of that is still alive and well in this generation in our generation and and there's a lot of untangling from that that needs to happen and unwinding and what happens is when what I've seen so many times including in my own experience but is that a woman now is really interested in having a career or being a creative person or writing a book. And also they find themselves being the primary person responsible for maintaining their home. Mm -hmm. And now there's too much, it's just too much. And yet they're operating from this mentality that a, a, you know, a good woman, I'll just use like a phrase, a good woman keeps her house a certain way. Mm. or a good woman is really like frugal and like keeps these things for as long as possible because there's a scarcity of of supplies and resources right these are inherited beliefs that live still in the dna and they're sometimes very very subtle Mm. but when we start to shine the light of awareness we'll see like that in most most folks have some version of that happening so I'm just constantly reminding folks like your home is not like your work in the world your work in the world is not to create this perfect home it's actually to unhook your self-worth from the home environment to some extent and to say actually what is my home saying about who I am nothing 
it says nothing about who I am. I hope that I can express myself through how I set up my home, but it's not telling me what I'm, my value or my worthiness. Um, and that's like a really, you know, it's a nuance that's really important because um, the shame just, there's just so much of it that I encounter in this work. Mm-hmm. So we just keep gently releasing it. I have people, you know, been working with me for a very long time and they, they will not show their space on camera, but that also means that they don't invite folks into their home. So it starts to break down connection and their ability, Ooh. right? So there's sort of isolate, shame really thrives in isolation. So we yeah. work community on Zoom now, and this is like my favorite thing that I just started. Yeah. Um, Cause I know we're getting to the end of our time and that's, I wanted to share about this. Like, so I started these community sessions. Yes your space community sessions and what's so powerful is that folks get on zoom together including me and we're like we're going to clear clutter for the next 90 minutes together yes it's like oh this is amazing but then when someone's there for the first time like oh this is a little intimidating like I don't want people to see my space it's like no you don't have to show your space but just be witnessed in your process and the, the last time we did it I was folding my kids laundry. And I realized that all these like shame stories were coming up about all this kind of stuff about like them having stains on their clothes and holes in the knees and that I don't buy them nice enough clothes and like all these things. And I was like, wow, wow. Places that I don't even think about very often. And so I just got, <laughs> we're like really airing our dirty laundry, <laughs> literally. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. And so I just like shared it with the group and then another woman there was like, you know, Tam, I just want you to know that like, because we've been practicing this muscle of releasing shame here, because I have these memberships. So some folks are there like every week or twice a week with me practicing this. Um, She's like, I've found that it's easier to release shame that I'm feeling around other aspects of my life, like my financial situation or my this or my that. And she's like, it's really, this work really translates to every other area of life so beautifully but I think it is like those things that were you know shame is a communal kind of experience in a way right it, it has to do with feeling like we're not part of the community or like we're not we're less than others and it's comparison we're not keeping up keeping up and so to, to heal that you really there's a really profound thing that happens also in the community right and doing it on Zoom allows people to have that layer of protection and privacy and safety while they also start to like take these little steps towards being seen and being seen allows shame to just kind of evaporate. Right. And to be seen in like, again, in process, not going, hey, guys, I'm inviting you all over when the house is perfect and everything's whatever, but it's like, here, I, I still, I feel like it's a, I still am worthy of community right now. Yes. I'm worthy to, to be helped to my next step, just as I am with, you know, and whether it's like a pile of dirty dishes or like, oh God, I've been meaning to get to that little section of paperwork that I don't want to deal with. And, you know, how much easier is it to do when we're like, we're doing that together. <laughs> exactly. And I've had some, one person I was working with shared that like one of their big wins in going through like a course that I was running at the time was that they decided to just invite folks to their house, even though they weren't done with their project, right? Which done, I'm using air quotes now. <laughs> done. <Yeah>. What? <laughs> and Podcasting then- air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and they were like, it was so wonderful. We had an amazing time. I felt relaxed. I didn't feel shame about my space because I've realized like, oh, my space looks like this because I'm a creative person and I have lots of projects happening at the same time and I'm working on things. Mm. My life is full. And so my house looks like this and it's okay. Mm. And so it's like fostering connection. So beautiful. Yeah, it's been really wonderful and the beautiful kind of like side effect of that is like my house is looking pretty amazing because I'm clearing clutter with folks like day in and day out um right and it's so it's it's interesting right because right so like (laughs) you would go like oh wait so home renovation like you have to be perfect right and this is this is like the you're like very much the opposite of 
of this kind of guru culture of like, oh, I've got it all perfect. And you, my little minions, one day you too will be <laughs> where you're like, no, like <laughs> we're doing this together. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought at first I was like a little self-conscious about that. You know, I'm like, oh, what are people going to think? Like, you know, they're like, you're, they're paying to be here with me. And I'm like also doing stuff from my own house. And folks are just like, it feels so good to know you're also doing it. And it feels so good to hear that like yours, is, your house is not fully the way you want it. And it feels so good to like hear the papers moving as you're going through the mail. And like, you know, it's like, it's, it just gets easier and lighter. I think of like these old, like back in the day, like these quilting parties, right. Where everyone's like, quilt making this quilt together like it feels like that this little quilt of boxes on zoom um, and I'm always there to like give people support and feedback and people be like Tam I need you to witness this story yeah like great let's do it and some beautiful um there's so many beautiful moments through all of that and mm. it feels really really good and my goal with it too was like you know I had been teaching like a, a higher ticket course which I might probably run again in the new year but there were so many folks who were like I want to work with you but I can't like make that leap financially and I was like how can I make this more accessible to more mm. and so it's like it keeps getting more accessible and that just feels so good to me too because that's always been really a goal of what I was building you know it's a value like, of accessibility uh, yeah yeah exactly so oh, really beautiful. Well, Tam, thank you so much for bringing all of your gifts to Labafana's table and, and sharing with us this, the practices of, of group decluttering sessions and cosmic smash booking. And we're just, I'm excited to um, be with you on the, on the journey together. Yeah. And of course there'll be links here so folks can check it out for themselves. And I always say to people like, just try it out once because it's like not a thing that you've ever experienced before. So it's really hard to imagine what it's like. Yeah. Um, but pretty much, I think so far, everyone who's tried it once has been like, that was wonderful. I'll be back. Um, Let's do it again. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Tam. Welcome. It's been lovely. Thank you for having me. Okay. Ciao. <laughs> Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my Substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.